Hello everyone, this is Krista from Saltwater Studies and welcome to another episode of Life Beneath the Waves. In this podcast series, what we're doing is we are going through the supplemental curriculum workbook that is included as a part of the Florida's Marine Life Class Series for elementary students. And I am just reading the lessons that I have I have prepared for this class series. And the intent of this is for it to be a resource for my auditory learners so that they can learn in a way that best suits them. And so I'm just keeping it simple. I'm going through and reading the lessons that have been prepared. Now, if you would like to purchase a copy of the workbooks that you can follow along, you can do so at the Saltwater Studies eStore. Please note that this is the second year workbook, so make sure that you select the correct one if you do decide to purchase. For today's podcast, I am gonna be talking about sponges. And I love discussing this topic because I find that people don't really know much about these creatures. And so you might see them on the beach, but not many people know anything about sponges. So hopefully we are going to introduce you to the world of sponges today, and you'll find out just what cool and amazing animals they are. So let's go ahead and get started. What is a sponge? Sponges can be found throughout all depths and regions of the world ocean, yet they are also organisms that are often overlooked. Many do not realize that sponges are the ocean's simplest form of multicellular animals, and each of their elaborate structures is a single animal, not a colony. Sponges are sessile creatures that are found in a variety of different shapes, sizes, and hues, often adding a splash of color to the surrounding environment. Unlike most animals, sponges are unique in that they do not have brains, mouths, or stomachs. Instead, all feeding and digestion occurs within different cells. There are approximately 8,550 different species of sponges, all of which belong to phylum periphera, which means pore bearing, a reference to the fact that sponges are covered with tiny pores. These pores allow water to flow through the body of the sponge, providing oxygen and food particles to the cells. Your vocabulary word for this portion of the lesson is sessile, immobile, unmoving. Fact, some barrel sponges are large enough for a scuba diver to fit inside. Classification of sponges. Sponges are classified in kingdom animalia, animals, phylum periphera, sponges, sponge anatomy, A sponge's body is rather simple, consisting of an internal meshwork of either microscopic crystals called spicules or fibers made of collagen. Their external body wall is porous, filled with tiny openings called ostea through which water flows into the body before exiting at the top through a larger opening called an osculum. A sponge's tiny spicules display a variety of shapes and sizes and are used to identify different species. Sponges are placed into different groups or classes based on the chemistry of their skeletons. 
These include the calcareous sponges that have skeletons of calcium carbonate, the glass sponges that have skeletons of silicon dioxide, and the demo sponges that have skeletons of spicules and protein fibers. When viewed under a microscope, the beautiful crystal structures that make up a sponge's skeleton can be seen. Your vocabulary words for this portion of the lesson are osculum, a larger opening at the top of the sponge's body through which water exits. Ostia, small pores on the side of a sponge's body through which water enters. Spicules microscopic crystals that make up a sponge's internal skeleton. Sponge feeding. Most sponges are filter feeders. This means they pull water into their body and digest bacteria and plankton that are suspended in the water. The water movement is created by collar cells called coanocytes that line the internal canals of the sponge's body. Each of these cells is circled by a sticky collar with a long flagellum in the center. The flagellum beats back and forth, pulling water into the sponge's body. Any floating organic material becomes trapped in the sticky collar surrounding the cell. These food morsels are then transported by amoebocytes, another type of cell, to other cells in the sponge's body where they are consumed. Your vocabulary words for this portion of the lesson are amoebocytes, cells that transport food material to different cells in a sponge, coanocytes, collar cells that line internal canals of a sponge's body used to move water and trap food particles, flagellum, a thin string-like structure in the center of a collar cell that is beat back and forth to move water through the sponge's body, plural, Flagella. Like corals, some sponges found in reef environments supplement their nutrition with a symbiotic relationship with blue-green algae. The algae live in the tissue of the sponge and create energy from sunlight through a process called photosynthesis. They then share this energy with their host. This relationship is an example of a mutualistic relationship as both the algae and the sponge benefit from the interaction. The sponge received energy from the algae, and the algae gained shelter by living in the tissue of the sponge. While most sponges are filter feeders, there is one unique family of sponges that are carnivores. These deep-sea creatures use sticky filaments to trap small crustaceans, similar to how a spider uses a web to trap its prey. The sponge's cells then surround the trapped animal and digest it. Types of symbiotic relationships. A symbiotic relationship is a long-term relationship between two living things. It can be a relationship between two animals, two plants, or a plant, algae, or bacteria, and an animal. There are three different types of symbiotic relationships. Mutualism. In this type of symbiotic relationship, both participants benefit. An example of mutualism between two animals is seen in cleaning stations on coral reefs when cleaner shrimp remove food and bacteria from the jaws of larger fish species. In this interaction, the shrimp obtains a meal and the larger fish enjoy a refreshing cleaning that prevents them from becoming sick. An example of mutualism between an animal and bacteria is seen in the Pompeii worm and chemosynthetic bacteria. 
The Pompeii worm releases mucus from glands on its back that feed the bacteria, and the bacteria form a fleece-like layer on the worm that acts as insulation against the superheated water of deep-sea hydrothermal vents. This relationship allows Pompeii worms to live in one of the hottest environments on the planet. Commensalism in this type of symbiotic relationship, one participant benefits from the relationship and the other is neither harmed nor benefited. An example of a commensal relationship between two animals is seen in the interaction between whales and barnacles. Barnacles can often be found attached to large baleen whales. The barnacles benefit from this interaction as they can grab food from the water as the whale swims. However, the whale is neither harmed nor benefited by the barnacles. Parasitism. In this type of relationship, one participant benefits from the relationship and the other is harmed. An example of parasitism between two animals is seen in the interaction between snapping shrimp and parasitic isopods. Parasitic isopods attach to the gills of shrimp, draining them of blood and even killing them. An example of parasitism between two plants is seen in the relationship between the corpse flower and neighboring vines. Named for the foul smell it uses to attract flies for pollination, the corpse flower is incapable of producing its own energy through photosynthesis like other plants. Instead, it relies on nutrients it steals from neighboring vines. Now that is one unpleasant neighbor. Your vocabulary words for this portion of the lesson are chemosynthesis, the process by which an organism generates energy from chemicals. Photosynthesis, the process by which an organism generates energy from sunlight. The life cycle of a sponge. Sponges can begin their lives in one of two ways. Some sponges reproduce through a process called budding. In budding, a mature sponge grows a segment that eventually drops off, attaches to the seafloor, and grows as a clone of the original sponge. Other sponges reproduce through the exchange of gametes, where a fertilized egg grows into a simplified larval stage. The larvae have cilia that beat back and forth enabling them to swim. Once released from the parent sponge, the larvae will swim for a few hours before settling onto the seafloor and developing into a new, mature sponge. Your vocabulary words for this portion of the lesson are cilia, fine hair-like structures used in movement, gametes, an animal's reproductive cells. Sponge defense. Since sponges are unable to move, they are particularly vulnerable to predators. They also do not have much in the form of physical protection, such as spines or a hard shell. However, sponges are not without their defenses. In fact, many sponges produce toxins as a means of defense. It is thought that these poisonous toxins may have a foul taste or smell that deters predators. There is one brownish-black sponge found in South Florida that is known as the stinker sponge, Iracinia felix, due to its foul smell. One whiff of this guy will send anyone running in the opposite direction. In addition, some sponges can produce a stinging mucus that causes a painful, stinging, burning, or itching sensation. A burgundy-colored sponge found locally in South Florida employs this type of defense. 
In most cases, neoprene gloves will protect your hands from stinging marine life, so they are often worn by divers when underwater. Unfortunately, they are ineffective for these types of sponges as the stinging mucus can easily seep through porous neoprene material. A good rule of thumb to follow with sponges, when in doubt, don't touch. Even mildly colored sponges may be capable of producing an uncomfortable sting. Despite their defensive mechanisms, a wide variety of species feast on sponges, including nudibranchs, hawksbill sea turtles, angelfish, Hawaiian tiger cowrie snails, and sometimes even sea urchins. The Benefits of Sponges Filter feeding sponges move an astonishing amount of water each day. Some can pump as much as 1,200 times their body's volume in a single 24-hour period. Through their filtering services, sponges provide a valuable benefit to the marine environments in which they live as they routinely remove suspended bacteria and other organic material from the water column, effectively cleaning it. Studies of water movements on coral reefs have revealed that tall sponges act like current blockers and interrupt water flow over the reef, seeming to improve the food supply in the immediate area around the sponge. Fact. Some filter feeding sponges can trap up to 90% of all bacteria in the water that moves through their bodies. Sponges are also valued for a different kind of use as cleaning agents. Many people are unaware that the natural sponges sold in stores as exfoliators for showering or house cleaning are the dried skeletons of oceanic animals. The state of Florida has a large commercial sponge industry where sponges are harvested from offshore waters, dried, and sold to stores. Fact. Tarpon Springs, Florida is known as the sea sponge capital of the world and supplies about 70% of the world's natural sea sponges. Sponge poisons and other biochemicals are also the subject of much scientific study as they have been identified as potentially useful in the treatment of cancer and other diseases. There are several pharmaceuticals currently available that were derived from sponge biochemicals. Amazingly, scientists are realizing that the cure for cancer might be found in one of the world's simplest animals. Local species. There are many different species of sponges that can be found in South Florida, including tube sponges, vase sponges, and even barrel sponges. Here are a few that you may see along the coast. Barrel sponge. Black ball sponge. Branching tube sponge, branching vase sponge, elephant ear sponge, green finger sponge, orange boring sponge, tube sponge, vase sponge. Test your knowledge. How much did you learn about sponges from this lesson? Test your knowledge with these questions. One. What are sponges? Two, what makes up a sponge's skeleton? Three, what are spicules? Four, how do sponges feed? Five, what is a symbiotic relationship? 
Six, what are three different types of symbiotic relationships? Seven, what are some of the animals that like to eat sponges? Eight, how do sponges defend themselves from predators? Nine, how do sponges benefit the natural environment? 10. Scientists believe that sponges may be the cure for what illness? Devotional. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Romans 1.20 there are over 900 different names and titles of God in the Bible. Each one describes a different aspect of his character that he would like for us to know about him. To help us better understand what he is like, God provided his creation to offer us physical examples of the spiritual lessons and concepts we read about in the Bible. The Bible tells us God's story, and creation offers us the pictures to accompany it. Every single name and title of God in the Bible is illustrated in the natural environment. Have you ever heard the phrase, good things come in small packages? This phrase is used to illustrate that the size of something is not indicative of the amount of good that it can do. This concept definitely applies to sponges. Although they are relatively small creatures known to be simple organisms, they provide a wide variety of benefits to the ocean ecosystem and to humankind. They filter the ocean, can be used as cleaning agents, and may even hold the cure for cancer. They are small, but purposeful. Just as God has a purpose for simple sponges, God also has an individual plan tailored to each one of his children. Each of us were designed for a unique purpose that God intends for us to fulfill while we are on earth. Just listen to some of the things God says about you in the Bible. Truth number one, you are made in the image of God. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Genesis 1, 27 and 31. Truth number two, you were created for a purpose. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Psalm 139, 13-16 before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1.5 For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29.11 Truth number three, you were chosen to be a child of God. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Truth number four. God delights in you. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17 As we read these scriptures, it is clear that God was intentional when he created you. He chose to make you for this day and this age, and he planned every part of you before the world was created. He thought about the interests, skills, and gifts he would give you. He thought about what you would look like, your skin, hair, and eye color, and how tall you were going to be. He thought about your personality and what traits you would need to move forward in your purpose. And when he was done creating you, he called you fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139.14 As a part of his creation, God is pleased with you, and it honors him when you choose to be who he made you to be. If he wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you someone else. He did not. He chose to create you, and that is something to celebrate. Apply it. How do you feel after reading what God says about you in the Bible? Do you feel more confident in who God made you to be? The next time you feel sad or discouraged or someone does something to hurt you, remind yourself of what God says about you. Dear God, thank you for choosing to make me. Thank you for the person that you have made me to be. Please help me to be confident in that person so I can accomplish all that you have for me. Please help me to honor you with my life and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today as we discussed the simple but important creatures, sponges. I hope that you enjoyed this lesson and I hope that you continue to join me for these podcasts as we explore life beneath the waves. Until then, have a great day.